Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. It's a nice day, sunny. Had a little bit of a breeze. Not bad for this time of year. No blowing dust or 60 mile an hour stuff. It was a, it was a nice day that the Lord has made. It was a fantastic day today. Uh, in fact, any day that you're, you know, above ground, it's a good day, right? Um, and you know, there's some good things going on, even though the world's gone crazy. And so we say this all the time, right? You hear pastors say it, you hear, we even, say it to each other, this is the day the Lord has made, brother, sister. Amen. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But it's so much more. And we'll get to that later in this sermon in Psalm 118. But I'm really excited. To me, this is the main part of the sermon later on. So it's just kind of a preview. And the name of the the sermon is, this is the day. And so turn to your Bibles to Psalm 118. And we'll go on a few rabbit trails and we'll talk about this Psalm of David. Now, scholars believe that this is a Psalm of David, and scholars believe that he wrote this uh, when he was becoming king. So he was anointed king as a teenager, right? We all know that, even before he killed Goliath, which we'll talk about that here in a little bit too. Um, And he was already anointed king, but he didn't actually become king much later after Saul spent much of 1 Samuel trying to kill him. So he wrote this psalm, supposedly, according to scholars, right when he was becoming king, taking the throne. And so who am I to argue with scholars? We're going to go with that. And so just to warn you that each section of tonight's psalm kind of has its own mini-sermon attached. And so like I said, a lot of rabbit trails. But um, I'm hoping and I'm praying that God and His Holy Spirit will have some nuggets for us tonight. And mostly I pray, this is my biggest prayer, it certainly encouraged me when I was putting it together. I pray that it encourages you as well. And uh, where am I? <laughs> so the world is crazy right now. And uh, we'll talk about it next week in the prophecy you know, discussion. Probably going to get crazier. I wrote fixing to get crazier. Um, but the good news is Jesus will be back soon. And the good news is he will not leave us nor forsake us even unto the end of the age. We have his word on it. (laughs) So you know what? He's got it all under control. He has plans that cannot and will not be thwarted. He has plans for you and for you and for you and for you that will not be thwarted. He is with you and he loves you. So let's talk about it. So it's going to be fun too also to talk about uh, some of David's life leading up to becoming king, assuming the throne. And Pastor Ben talked about it on Sunday. To build a strong, tall structure, you really need to dig that foundation deep. And that can be really painful, that development process. And I don't know that it ever ends either. But David went through some things, amen? And uh, But through the things that he went through, God was able to develop him, to grow him, to strengthen him, to dig his foundation deep. So let's look at our first section of Psalm 118, verses 1 through 3. And this is our first song of the night from Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Uh, For you King Jamers, his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his mercy endures forever. Great song written out of Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I don't know the words. The rest. uh, Sing, sing, praise, sing, praise. Anyway, uh, our first song out of the night from Psalm 118. I think there's one other. So uh, when you look at uh, the house of Aaron, uh, the, the house of Aaron is actually the priesthood. So that's what the priesthood came down from, Aaron. And uh, who else is in the priesthood? I think I'm skipping ahead. Um, do I have it here? Maybe it's later in here. So we will talk more about worship songs in a little bit in the sermon. 
But I did want to mention uh, in verse 3, here we go, the house of Aaron. Uh, Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endures forever. And you may know this, but the house of Aaron is the priesthood. And you know who else is a royal priesthood? All y'all. So in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, it's kind of redundant here, but Peter's agreeing with David to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. As it says in uh, verses 1 through 3, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his mercy endures forever. And so Peter agrees with that. And so when we talk about Aaron and the priesthood, remember that you are in Christ, and so you are a priest of Christ. It's pretty awesome. And I I lived in Roswell, New Mexico for a time, quite a while, almost 10 years. And I used to be the UFO beat reporter at the Channel 10 there in KBIM. And so I used to kind of believe in the aliens. And then I became a Christian. I found out we're the aliens and a royal priesthood and a peculiar people, some more than others. But anyway, all right. Moving right along. Psalm 118, verse 4. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. So fear God, not man. Well, what does that mean? Well, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, right? We all know that. It's in the Proverbs. It's in God's Word. So obey God because he knows what he's doing. Listen to God because he knows what he's doing. Trust God. He knows what he's doing. He's God. Who are you going to trust? The president? Mm. (laughs) Uh, Even even depending on your president, you're still not going to trust the president. The UN, you can trust the UN. China, China, I don't know how to say it. Uh, So the world does not have its best interests out for you. You know who does? God has a plan for your life, has a plan for this world, and you are called for such a time as this. I get very excited about that. Continuing in Psalm 118, verse 5 and 6. This is David. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So David's story time. This is our first David story of younger David. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 8. This section of 1 Samuel is where David has a conflict with the Amalekites. Some of the famous ites. We'll talk about that a little bit later too. So the Amalekites. So in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 8. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Where are you all from? Ziklag. Oh, cool. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahanoam, we'll go with that, Ahanoam, the Je- the Jezreelites, the Jezreelites, yeah, there we go, and Abigail, the widow, uh, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, which is that's a whole other great story, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people sp- spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son. Please bring the ephod here to me. I don't know what an ephod is. I should have looked this up. I always think of it like a round stone that glows when, when you get the right answer or something. But anyway, they brought the ephod. And so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, meaning God, he answered, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them 
and without fail recover all. So the long story shorter is, yeah, David pursued them. And yeah, they overtook them. And yeah, not only did he get his wife back and his other wife back, he got his stuff back. And he got the wives back of the other men and their children back and their stuff back and all the spoil of the Amalekites' stuff too. It's like a country song. You get your dog back and you get your girlfriend back and you get the... Never mind. So, so yeah, he listened to God and... Lo and behold, what God said came true. Amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? God actually knows stuff. It's crazy. But notice in verse 6, uh, this, is, this is kind of a big deal for me from time to time. Now, God was, now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because uh, the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Here's David. He's like, I was with you guys. <laughs> it's not my fault. Um, but they're mad at him. He's the leader, right? So he has to take the responsibility. The buck stops with David. He's in charge. And so they want to kill him because they don't know where else to take out their sorrow and their anger. And they're very grieved. David's grieved. His two wives are gone too. And so he's got all this weight of all the responsibility on him, plus all the sadness, plus what's going to happen to our wives and our kids. And you know what he did? He strengthened himself in the Lord. And sometimes when you don't know what's happening to you, when you're going through something, you don't know where it's going to lead. You have to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you have nowhere else to turn. And I tell you what, it's an awesome place to turn because God knows stuff and he loves you. And so with the leadership of David, you know, he was in charge and the buck did stop with him. And David didn't go, well, Jim, you were supposed to be on watch. It's your fault. He didn't do that. Um, He took responsibility. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but I'd be really tempted to blame God and blame my men. You know, you're supposed to be on watch. It was your fault. How could you let this happen, Lord? Now, I've have, I've never had a wife taken into captivity. I don't know about you. But, um, but I have been passed up for a job that I really wanted. Um, I've had my car totaled twice. Different car, but you get the idea. Uh, one time, this is really bad. One time, before work, the monitor on my computer wouldn't work. Can you imagine? I was upset. (laughs) Lord, how could you let this happen? I have to be at work. (laughs) So, you know, obviously first world problems, you know. So, you know, what's David's response when his wives are taken captive? He encouraged himself in the Lord. What should our response be when your monitor doesn't doesn't work before work? Yeah, encourage yourself in the Lord, and if you have to miss part of the day to get your computer fixed, that's just part of life. It's okay. Now, how do you practice that? We'll get into that in a second. I did want to tell another story. Um, so, you guys know I missed a Wednesday night uh, preaching because I had clots. And not just any clots. I mean, I had clots like from the main veins coming out of my legs to where it comes to the to the big vein that goes to your heart, that's where the clots were. So it was like, okay, this is fun. And um, I had clots three years ago, and my back was feeling kind of the same, so I was starting to get an inkling of, okay, maybe this is what's going on. And so I'm starting to think, well, what's going to happen? And then I'm like, well, I've got to miss work because I'll be in the hospital for who knows how long. Where's that going to go? And hospitals are not cheap, even if you have insurance. So who's going to take care of this? And I was like concerned. So I don't know. I prayed. And God said, I'm like, Lord, he's like, let's get you fixed up. That's literally what he said. Let's get you fixed up. I'm like, okay, cool. And then, and then of course, me being a man full of faith, I'm like, but what about the hospital bills? <laughs> you know, so of course... Uh, and he's like, I'm taking care of you. And uh, it was an amazing time in the hospital. Um, it wasn't all fun, but it was 
Some of it was fun. I actually got to goof off with the nurses. and I had peace. I had peace. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Ben visited me. Lisa and Paul came to say hi. Uh, it was really a blessing. Thank you. And, um, and, you know, it was a week in the hospital, and God fixed me up. I had no more clots. Uh, so, you know, God fixed that. That's great. And so then, yesterday, I take off an hour and a half from work. I got to go pick up my prescription at the hospital pharmacy. And little did I know, they gave me the first month for free. So I'm thinking, it's free. My insurance is awesome. That'll be $150, Mr. Shum. Like, $150 a month? How in the world am I going to do that? I can't do that. And I was really, uh, to use the word, maybe I shouldn't use this word, I was ticked off for probably two, three hours. I think I let it fester. And then God kept reminding me, hey, Mike, remember (laughs) I told you? I'm taking care of you. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I finally encouraged myself in the Lord. But that's how we are. That's how I am. It's like God promised me. God promised me. It worked out great. And then all of a sudden, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And then it's like you have to come back to God's promise and get and encourage yourself in the Lord. So how do you practice that? I have bad news, mostly. (laughs) This is not a good news, bad news. I have bad news for you. Uh, You end up with a broken computer. You end up with a totaled car twice. You end up with clots. That's how you learn to trust God. (laughs) In those circumstances uh, that, you know, your unsaved friends are going through this stuff and you're going through this. This being in the world. You, You are alive on planet Earth. Welcome. And so, you know, Jesus said, you will go through trouble in this life, but take heart. I've overcome more. So so that's how you practice is you go through stuff and God gets you through stuff and then it builds your faith, right? So think about your life, especially us old, especially us old folks. Uh, and hopefully not some of you younger folks. Hopefully you don't have a lot of stuff under your belt, but especially us old folks, bless you. Um you know, how many times has God come through for you? Has he ever left you? Did he ever make fun of you? Have you ever gotten yourself into something? You really messed up, and you've got circumstances. Did God ever make fun of you for that? No, he doesn't do that. Has he criticized you? Not in that way, not in a condemning way. Well, you messed up, with, you messed up again, Mike. Good luck with that. No, that's not my God. God encourages us through those things. He shows us the way, and he strengthens us. His grace is sufficient for us. I put his grace is sufficient for thee, like putting in the these and those. And he provides for us. And so as you go through life, and God keeps showing up, and keeps showing up, and keeps showing up, one of these times I'm going to learn... Looks pretty bad, Lord. I don't know if you can handle this one. He's got it. He's got it. But it starts even before that for David and for us. David, as a young man, was a shepherd boy, and he's tending the flock, I don't know, 14 years old maybe, something. Uh, And he's playing his harp to God under the stars. And it's not Lubbock stars, or Phoenix stars, where there's a couple stars. No, this is under the stars before there were big cities. This is under the Milky Way stars. And David is there playing his harp, worshiping God, hanging out with his God, with his friend. And they're getting to know each other. David's getting to know God. And God said David's a man after his own heart. And so I think this is where David really built that relationship. So he really got to know God as a friend. Uh, it's amazing. Friends hanging out. That's where it starts. And so David knew God. And he knew that God would not let him down. And so it is with us as we hang out with God. And the more we get to know God in our quiet time, maybe under the Lubbock stars, Maybe Buffalo Springs Lake. I don't know. Um, Whatever it is, your prayer closet, 
as you get to know God. He's your friend. He wants to know you as a friend. He wants you to look at him as a friend. He wants to be your friend. Jesus, who is God, said, I've told you my business. We're friends. He told us we're his friend. And so God, God knows that. We experience that. And the more we spend time with him and get to know his character, we realize how much of a friend he is. All right, back to Psalm 118, verses 7 through 9. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. We'll get to that here in a second. It is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. (laughs) Who are you going to trust over God? The president. (laughs) Have you bought gas today? Um, How about the king? You're going to trust the king over God? How about King Saul? King Saul is trying to kill David. And in the end, it was Saul who fell on his own sword and David who became king. So in Psalm 118.7, the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. David had two chances. Two chances to kill Saul. Uh, One time, Saul is uh, the... David and his mighty men are hiding in a cave because <laughs> Saul's hunting them down. And so they're hiding out. And Saul comes in to go to the bathroom in a cave. And uh, David's men are like, God has given you Saul into your hands. And so David sneaks up to Saul and he cuts a piece of his garment and does not kill him. And uh, David is convicted David is convicted because he has touched the hem of the garment of God's anointed. Saul was king. Saul was God's God's king. And as long as Saul was king, David in his integrity knew that it was not his job to take out the king. And so he got really convicted when uh you know when his men were saying this is your chance, take him out. He's like, "No, I'm not going to do that." So let's contrast these two men. We've got David the king, we've got Saul the king, two very different men, and I think an interesting illustration for us. So Israel was crying out for a king. It's like, we've had all these judges, good judge, bad judge, good judge, bad judge. He goes, we want a king, we want a king, like all the surrounding kingdoms. We want to be a kingdom. And God was like, "I'm, I'm supposed to be your king. But they kept at it. So God said, fine, I'll give you a king. And so who did they pick? Well, the Bible says Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. So it's one of those phrases that comes out of the Bible. He was head and shoulders above the rest. They even made a shampoo after him. And uh, so surely this man, who, this strapping young man, who's head and shoulders above the rest will make a fine king. He certainly is going to look good at those banquets at the U.N., Right? He's going to represent us well. So man judges the outer appearance, but God judges the heart. And Saul disobeyed God pretty much from day one when he was king, uh, when God told Saul to utterly destroy the Amaleks in, in 1 Samuel 15. And then later, I'm <laughs> like, this is so bad. Saul was... Uh, needing some advice. They were not doing so well in battle, I think against the Philistines. It's not important because I'm not sure. Um, But Saul needed some advice. Samuel had already died. So he calls uh, Miss Chloe and gets himself a medium and brings Samuel up from the dead, (laughs) which was illegal, of course, because uh, it's completely evil. And so this was Saul's character. Um, and it got worse as as he went on as king. He didn't have the integrity. He didn't have the heart for God. He didn't have the deep foundation to uphold a strong, tall building. He didn't let God work on his heart to dig that deep foundation. And so ultimately, he fell on his sword, another saying we get out of the Bible. Now, juxtapose that, juxtaposition that, With David, 
go back to when David's a teenager. Samuel comes knocking over on you know Jesse's door. Hey, Jesse, God just asked me to come over and anoint one of your boys as king. And Jesse's like, yeah, come on in. That sounds awesome. Sure enough. And so, you know, Jesse's son after son, Samuel's like, nope, not him, not him, not him. And Jesse's out of sons. And Samuel's like, well, I know I heard God. He said, I'm supposed to anoint one of your sons king. Is there another? Oh, yeah, David, he's out back with the sheep. God judges the outer appearance. You know, he's a smelly teenager hanging out with sheep. So Jesse brings him in. God says he's the man. Samuel says he's the man. David's been under the stars hanging out with his friend. God says, I'd pick you. And so later in our story, uh, David kills Goliath, right? Now, when I first became a Christian, I was like 30 years old, working at Family Life Radio. I had this big, giant, red, ryrie Bible that I used to carry to work and read during the songs. You know, Nicole Mullen. Um, I forget the name now. Um, of, the, of the song. Anyway, that's not important. The, the important part was I'm reading this story about David and Goliath. I knew the Sunday school version, right? <laughs> and so the first time I read the real story, is like every teenage boy needs to read this story. They're going to get so excited about the Bible. So here's what happened. Uh, Goliath is, you know, terrorizing the Israeli army, and David shows up, you know, with some stuff for his brothers, and David gets offended. He's like, who is this uncircumcised that is threatening God's army? David knew his God. He was offended by Goliath. And so like, I'm going to take him out. And he does. And uh, do you know how he does? Have you heard this? You know the Sunday school version, right? He, you know, whips a rock and he killed him with the rock. I don't think so. <laughs> um, he comes up with the, he does have a sling and he does have a rock, a smooth stone, and he did hit him in the forehead and knocked him out, but I don't think that's what killed him. Spoiler alert, David runs up, takes Saul's own sword, and not Saul, Goliath's own sword, and he cuts off his head with it. <laughs> and then he takes Goliath's head and he holds it up. <laughs> And all of a sudden, the Israeli army rushes the Philistines, and they pursued them and slaughtered a lot of them and basically had an awesome victory because David was offended because he knew his God. So after that, the people are singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul, because he doesn't have integrity, is jealous of David. You know, he can't let David have his own space. You know, God's called David to be great. God's even called David to be king. Maybe wouldn't have even been called to be king if Saul had the right heart to be king. But Saul gets jealous. So, um, you know, he spends the rest of 1 Samuel trying to kill him. So how could this possibly apply to us today? Well, when you get a call on your life, are you a Christian? You have a call on your life. God has a plan for your life. And he probably has revealed some of it to you, at least. And so you know in your heart the things that God wants you to do. And as God has anointed you to walk in the good works that he's prepared for you and advanced for you to walk in, the enemy doesn't like that. The enemy doesn't like that at all. It's like, no, you're not going to encourage God's people. No, you're not going to grow the kingdom of God. Satan can't take... God's spirit out of your spirit. That's a done deal. It's sealed. Amen. But he can discourage you. He can try to make you ineffective. And he's going to use the world to do it. The world's going to beat you down. It's going to try. What was that? Uh, the latest Rocky movie. It's really a pretty bad movie. But there's a really good line in there where Rocky's telling his son, life is about how many times you can get knocked down and still get back up, or something like that. There's a better quote than that. Um, but it's true, right? It's like the devil's going to use other people, the devil's going to use circumstances, the devil's going to use the world to beat us down, to discourage us, to keep us from our calling in our life. David had a huge calling on his life, 
And so the world went after him full bore. And it feels that way for us too. But you know what God's doing with that? He's digging your foundation. You know, it's your practice of when you have clots or when your monitor doesn't work before work or or your car gets totaled or you don't get that job and all of a sudden you're not going to be able to buy the next late, you know the newest iPhone. This, that's my thing. And so God uses that stuff. What Satan means for bad, God turns around for good and develops us. So it's pretty awesome. God knows stuff, you know that? And so God used David for lots of reasons, but you know, God used David to bring Jesus into the world. Amazing. And you know, God's not religious like we are. If you look in Matthew chapter 1, and it goes through the lineage of Jesus and you know just the whole thing. And you know that, because you know that David... Uh, David uh, committed adultery and murder. And in the lineage, God put in there the son of Bathsheba, widow of Uriah, and mentioned Solomon in the lineage. So God can take our biggest mistakes, our most embarrassing mistakes. Can you imagine if your life was written in the Bible? (laughs) Please don't do that. But, you know, David's sin is out there for all of us to see. And God used that mistake even to bring Jesus into the world. Just not in my notes, but just kind of a freebie. Um, All right, back to Psalm 118, verses 10 through 13. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. David and Israel contended with the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Amalekites and the Satellites and the Parasites and, and the Ites, all the Ites, the Termites. And, uh, you know, we don't have to deal with all those Ites. But we have our own versions in this world. Now, Proverbs 21.31 says that the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So when David's talking about all the nations surrounding him, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. In the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. He repeats again. They surrounded me like bees, but in the name of the Lord, I destroy them. It's God who does the destroying now, he might give David, uh, what is the scripture? His legs are strong enough to leap over walls and his arms are strong enough to bend a bow of copper or iron or something. Um, yeah, uh, so it is with us. Sure, God has given us natural abilities. You might be super smart, super handy, super great with kids, super whatever it is. And God will use that combined with the spiritual gifts that he give you, gives you when you become a Christian, and he will use that to build up his kingdom, to encourage the saints. So we get to encourage each other. And that, God's love flowing through us to each other and flowing out of this building into Lubbock, Texas, into Texas, into New Mexico, into the world. Uh, that's how we reach people with God's love. And so he, uh, so as we bless each other, we are blessed. And again, the world will beat you down. The ites have it out for you. But God uses you and uses me to encourage each other and to help each other to fan into flames the gifts and calling that God has given to each of us. Amen? And I just have to say this again. I love this church family. Um, the way we encourage each other, the fellowship here is so special. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, you know, I have the privilege of uh, editing Pastor Ben's radio shows. And when he was in First Corinthians, not long ago on the radio, a couple of years ago for y'all, if you were here, and, you know, talking about the love chapter, and it's like, you know, if you've ever been to a Pentecostal church, uh, there are some flavors, I should say, uh, some denominations that believe, you know, that everyone should speak in tongues with evidence 
you know, uh, should be filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. But the real evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is love. That's what it is. And so there's a lot of love here. Y'all are awesome. And I still haven't gotten to the best part yet. Uh, verse 14 of chapter, of, of, I'm sorry, of Psalm 118. The Lord is my strength and song. His love endures forever. And he's, he has become my salvation. So David is acknowledging that it's God's strength that he's now taking the throne. So again, David's writing this as he's taking the throne. It's through God's strength that he's taking the throne. It's God who saved him. Not just to become king, not just to become king, although he did, but for eternity. And so David is transitioning into the prophetic portion of Psalm 118. So here's my biggest rabbit trail, because this is kind of really off the text, but there's different kinds of prophecy, right? So, you know, Jesus told his disciples the Holy Spirit will come and reveal to you things of the future. And so we call that prophecy. We have to be really careful with that. Uh, that can get kind of weird sometimes. Um, but it's a real thing, so I don't want to discount that either. But did you know that prophecy, probably one of my favorite definitions of prophecy, is declaring God's word. So when you declare God's word, you are prophesying. Now, this is really cool. You know when Talia is choosing the music for Sunday morning, for Wednesday night, she's not just, well, this song was number one on the Christian charts in 2018. Although, maybe. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But the main thing is she's prayerfully considering songs that sing the Bible, sing biblical uh biblical precepts, concepts. And sometimes, literally, the Bible, like, his love endures forever. And so when we get together and we sing these songs that are out of the Bible together, corporately, we are prophesying together. It's amazing when you think about that. In song, we are prophesying together. And God inhabits the praises of his people. And so we're taking his words, we're proclaiming them back to him. And so you wonder why sometimes the Holy Spirit just falls on you so thick during the song worship time. God loves that. We love that. And so I want to encourage you, um, you know, if you're, and I don't think anyone here is like this, but anyone listening, whatever. Um, and if you're ever late, don't be condemned. I'm not trying to be condemning here at all. I just want to emphasize the special part of our service that the, air quote, worship part is, the music part is. Because when we get together corporately and praise God and prophesy together, there's power in that. And so if you're one of those people, well, I'll wait in the parking lot until the first song's over and then I'll come in. Um, try to avoid that. <laughs> There's some really good reasons why you should be in here uh, prophesying together during the music. It's really, really cool. And maybe you've experienced this too. You know, I've described this to a lot of people over the years. But for me, a, a church service is kind of two, two, two churches, two services in one. Um, the first part would be the song part where we're prophesying together. And God's Holy Spirit is working on my heart and he's talking to me and he's reminding me he's my friend and he's forgiving me and he's washing away the weak and, and he's encouraging me and he's strengthening me and he's doing all those things in my heart during the worship. And then Pastor Ben gets up here with an awesome word from God and, uh, and then God's using that to instruct me and to teach me and the Holy Spirit's using it to tell me what I need to hear that day. Uh, it really is two services in one for one awesome service. So I would encourage you that, you know, when we're worshiping together, as we traditionally call the, the, the music part, really press into God. Lift up your hand. I haven't got this one down yet. Lift up two hands for surrender. I have a tougher time with that, but don't 
who cares what everyone else is doing or thinking? Don't you know? Keep your eyes are closed. You're focusing on God. You're pressing in. It's a really special time, and we get to do it together twice a week. It's really amazing. So um, let's see, where am I now? Oh yeah. Um, so have you ever received a word from God? The you know, the future part, the prophecy part. And like I said, we do need to be careful about it. And this is actually in my notes where I put the hospital story, so I'll skip over that. Um, and so now, back to Psalm 118, verses 15 and 16. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. A quick Bible quiz. Who's sitting at the right hand of God? Jesus, making intercessory prayer for the saints. Who are the saints? They're in New Orleans. No, not those saints. We're the saints. Amen. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God right now praying for you. Amazing. Psalm 118, 17 and 18, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he's not given me over to death. And again, on Sunday, Pastor Ben talked about that foundation. The taller, the stronger, the building, the deeper the foundation has to be. And it was that brokenness required to bring that humbleness, required to bear the weight of being called to be a king that David went through, or for you, a royal priesthood. David had a big calling on his life, you think? (laughs) People call me Captain Obvious. And God used hardship and challenges and death threats and death attempts to grow him, to teach him, to prepare him. And so it is with you, hopefully not the death threats and death attempts, but um, life Psalm 118, you know, God brings all th- works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. Psalm 118, 19, 20, 21, Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen to that. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, gave us his righteousness as a gift. The gates of righteousness have been opened, and we accept the gift of God's son. We go through the gates of righteousness that David is talking about here. And we shall praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. And now the best part, the main event, ladies and gentlemen, the portion of Scripture why I chose 118, verses 22 through 24. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now I get really excited about this part. So what is the stone that the builders rejected that has become the chief cornerstone? Well, if it pleases the court, let me present my case that that David is talking about Jesus Christ himself and, and I'll let Jesus present my main evidence in Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 19. And so this is Jesus telling a parable to the Pharisees. And Jesus says, Then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. Sounds fair. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also, treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, 
they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. Then he looked at them and said, When, what then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him into powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that were that very hour sought to lay hands on him. It's like, it's like the parable coming true in the next sentence. Uh, the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. The landowner is God. The servants who were abused and even some killed, the prophets. The son is the son, son of God. And the evil vine dressers, well, the Pharisees knew that Jesus spoke this parable against them. So, yeah, you know, they rejected the son. They hung him on a cross, thinking that they could inherit the kingdom. Wrong again, Satan. But instead, at that moment, when, when he went to the cross, he defeated sin and death. Jesus became the chief cornerstone, and we are the living stones. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So when David says... Psalm 118.24, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He's not just talking about a nice West Texas day that wasn't too windy in the spring. He's talking about the day, that day, when Christ died for you and for me, and the gates of righteousness were opened so we could walk through them and rejoice in the Lord, for He is good. Man, that's exciting. Amen. And I wish the psalm ended there, but there's some extra anticlimactic stuff, so let's go through that. Uh, psalm 118, 25, 6, 7, 28, 29. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who, came, who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. So this is how good our God is. When we were his enemies, he saved us. You know, when I first became a Christian back in 2000, people would say, you know, Mike, even if you were the only one on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about, dude? That is a terrible return on investment. I do not believe that for one second, and I just think you're crazy. And then my giant red ryrie Bible was carrying to Family Life Radio as a brand new Christian, and I read the parable of the lost sheep. And the shepherd left the 99 to find the one that was lost. In the parable of the lost coin, where the woman had ten coins and she lost one, and she swept her entire house. How do you do that? Maybe this is strategy. Lose some coins, maybe I'll clean my apartment. But the parable of the lost coin, she lost the coin, she swept the whole place, she found it, she rejoiced, she called the neighbors, I found the lost coin, she was excited. The story of the prodigal son The son took the inheritance. He left to go out on his own, do his own thing, figure out life for himself. How'd that work out for you, brother? He's feeding pigs, and he's like thinking, you know, my servants, my dad's servants live better than this. I'll go back. And the dad is scanning the horizon, looking for a son, and he sees him coming. 
and he runs to him. He runs to him. That's our Heavenly Father running to us. So yeah, Jesus would have died for your sins, even if it was just you that needed saving. And then the adventure begins. So let me ask you, have you taken God up on his amazing offer? As we close, I'll be giving you a chance here in a second to take him up on that offer. It is the best deal in the universe. You get to turn in your sin, and then by a miracle of God, you receive his righteousness as a gift. Are you kidding me? Paid for by Jesus on the cross. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect. Contrary to popular belief, you're not going to win a million dollars and get a Learjet in a limo. That's not going to happen. But what will happen, you'll become a friend of God and you get to live in His presence forever. And forever starts now. It's not when you get to the other side. We're going to live in God's presence when on the other side. It starts now. We get to be in His presence now. When we're together corporately prophesying, we get to be in His presence now. And so, if you would like forever to start now for you, if you're watching, listening on the podcast, here in the sanctuary, just say this uh, simple prayer in your heart. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, and no matter how hard I try to be perfect, and sometimes just to be good, I can't do it. Not on my own. Only you are perfect. So I'm coming to you now to ask that you save me. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he conquered sin and death. I believe that on the third day he rose again and is now sitting at your right hand making intercessory prayers for the saints. Thank you, Father, for doing this for me and for making me one of your saints. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the kingdom. And I know you've heard me say this before, but the Bible says that when someone comes into the kingdom, in the presence of angels there is rejoicing. You know who's in the presence of angels? God himself. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.